What if the Lord was willing to allow things in your life that he hates in order to accomplish things that he loves? Think about this for a minute. Right now, uh, again, we are uh, celebrating that last week of Jesus' life. And during that week, at the end of that week, he would be beaten and he would die. And if you've read the scripture account, you'll, you'll see that Jesus, in his flesh, didn't want to do it because he knew what he was up against. And think for a moment what the father was feeling because he knew what his son was about to go through. God was looking at it and he didn't like what he saw. He didn't want to watch his son go through it, but he was willing to do so because of what? Because of you and I. Because of what it would accomplish. So, what if? What if for you and I, God was willing to allow things in your life that he hates because of the things that it would accomplish that he loves? This is important because if you don't understand this, what can happen is you can misunderstand what's happening in your life and you can begin to think that God doesn't like you. You know, Scripture says in Revelation that God disciplines those He loves, which is the truth. So if God loves you, He's going to discipline you. But when I think about discipline, I always think about a child who's done something wrong. Because that's when we discipline, right? That's when we step in, we're like, whoa, you're going the wrong way, we're going to redirect you. So I find that when something negative in my life happens, I'm like, Lord, what have I done wrong? What's going on? Are you just mad at me? But one of the things that we see in the Scripture, just like with Jesus, and we're going to see another, um, we're going to see another example this morning too. We're going to look in the book of John for this. But with Jesus, we find that Jesus had done nothing wrong. Jesus had lived a perfect life. But yet, God was allowing something negative to happen because of what it would accomplish in others. Your life and my life, as Stephanie was saying earlier, is not about us. You know, she was talking about worship and how, you know, we can make that about us. Well, I got news for you. I can make anything about me. It's just where my flesh goes to. But you know what? As I read the word over and over, what I see is that life is not about me. History. What's history about? Well, it's his story. And it's all about Him, and it's all about bringing glory to Him. So here's the good news. The good news is God wants to use your life for His glory. But here's the other part of that. And Edie was praying this in her prayer earlier. It requires your participation for you to really receive all that God wants to do through you. If you misunderstand it and you think that God's mad at you and, and you walk away, God's not going to bring the glory through your life that He wants to bring. But if you understand that God loves you, but He's willing to allow things in your life that, that breaks His heart, that He does not like, that He doesn't even like to watch, in order to accomplish things that He loves that will bless others, and that will bless you. You're going to be able to walk through it. And so that's what I want to share with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 11. 
And this is likely a familiar account to many of you. Book of John, chapter 11. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Verse 1 says this. It says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your friend is very sick. Now I want to stop there. I want to paint the picture here for a moment. Just imagine this. You have a personal relationship with Jesus as he's walking the earth. You've seen, you've watched, you've heard of all the miracles that he has performed over and over and over. You're on a first name basis with Jesus. He sees you and you, he says your name, you feel his love. And now you're a little bit sick. <laughs> no worries. I mean, it's like needing money and your good friend's the president of the bank. All you got to do is say, hey, Jesus, I I'm sick. Not only have I watched you heal, you know, all these people, but you have a personal relationship with me. I mean, think about that for a moment. That's got to be where they're at. Jesus is going to come through. This is not going to be an issue. You ever been in that situation? You see something come up against you and you're like, there's no worries here. God's going to come through for me. There, I, I'm not even worried at all. You know, you, you throw up a prayer, God, need you to step in here, and then you just leave it because God's going to step right in. Well, sometimes it doesn't happen quite that way. Verse 4 says, But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Well, hallelujah. That's good news. I mean, already we're hearing good news coming, right? No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Whoa, now hold on. How is him being sick going to bring about the glory of God? I mean, all Lazarus knows is he doesn't feel well, and Jesus, you need to step in and take care of this. You ever been in that situation? Right? Something's happening in your life. It doesn't feel good. You want it corrected ASAP as soon as possible. But Jesus says, whoa, hold on. Let's not waste this. Let's not waste what you're going through. Let's use this for my glory. Why? Because he's selfish? No, because he loves other people and he wants to draw them to him. And so he wants to use your life for that. He wants to use your life for that. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's see what it meant for Lazarus. Verse 5. So, although Jesus loved Mary, or loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. I mean, think about where is your mind going to go at that point? You have a personal relationship with Jesus. You, I mean, you, you feel it, you know it, you're confident in it. You're sick, no problem. You reach out to the Lord. He responds well. It's not going to end in death. And then he doesn't show. I mean, you, you're, you're waiting. And, you're, and, and 
if you've ever been sick, things don't just hang out. They either get better or they get worse, right? Well, he's getting worse. So the next two days, he's sitting there. And, and if you're sick, how fast do days go by? They don't. It's awful. Time drags on. And, and we're going to find out later that he dies. So in that moment, what's he feeling? It's getting bad. He's feeling it. It's going on and on. And he's saying, Lord, where are you? Think about what's going through his mind and his heart. Think about what's going through Mary and Martha. They're like, well, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. I mean, I know that he loved us. The times that we shared together, what he's done in our life in the past. He has the power. It's not an issue of that. I've seen him move. Why is he not coming through? Have I done something? Does God no longer love me? Am I, have I been kicked aside? I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, there was that one thing, you know, and I, I, I mean, I repented of it and it was awful and I thought God forgave me, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm used goods. Maybe he can't use me anymore. Maybe God's found somebody better to go use. Think about all the things that go through your mind. How do I know this? Because I've thought them all. The enemy's right there to pour them in. And you're sitting there going, what, what's going on? Finally, he said to his disciples in verse 7, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will get soon. He will soon get better. These guys are great friends. I mean, first of all, when he says, okay, we're going back, they're like, whoa, wait a minute. Those people don't like us. I mean, don't you love it when you have friends like that? Like you're in a bad place and you need help. And they're like, you know, I would come help, but uh, it, would, it would cost me or it might cost me something. Verse 14, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Now, it was one thing that as his sickness was progressively getting worse and Jesus wasn't appearing, they're having all these doubts, but then he dies. Have you ever lost someone in your life that was sudden, that came out of nowhere, and you were like, God, what is happening? I mean, I know, I, I know I've shared this, okay? But my mentor passed away recently, and it was totally unexpected. And before him, I was praying for a spiritual mentor. You know, I, I just I felt alone. I didn't feel like I had anybody guiding me. And so I was just praying, and I was seeking people out. I drove to Terre Haute, Indiana, there was a pastor over there seeking him out because I was hungry for someone in my life to mentor me. And then I'm down in Nashville, Tennessee, 2000, 
and seven, and this long-haired hippie from California in some French-looking hat comes up to me and says, hey, you got time uh, for uh, a lunch later on? And then eventually tells me he felt like the Lord was calling him to mentor me. And I said, yes, it was the craziest thing in the world. And from that time on, he was someone that I could talk to on a regular basis. And he continually helped point me to the Lord over and over and over. And throughout that time, we really felt like the Lord was stirring our hearts to really do ministry together at some point. He believed God was going to uh, have him go out on, on an evangelistic tour and, and preach to millions millions. He was going to start discipleship schools, and I knew it was all going to happen. I'd seen God move in his life so much, and when I talked to him, it was like hearing directly from the Lord. I mean, it was just, it was so good. And then suddenly, I'm texting him, hey, you got time to talk, and he doesn't respond. And, and then I find out he's in the hospital and he's, he's not doing good. But, you know, in that moment, you're like, OK, but God can still come through. This could be, a, you know, this could be something powerful. But he didn't. And he's gone. <laughs> and I've got a choice now. Here's my choice. My choice is to say, you know, uh, it's all just a bunch of baloney and everything's random and, and we just need to go out and live our life. Uh, I can get mad at God. Um, there are just all kinds of choices. Or I could choose to say, Lord, what do you want to do in me through this? That's the choice that we always have. And that's the choice that they had to make. But it's hard. Somebody had passed away. Verse 16, Thomas steps in and he said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Again, I mean, four days of just grieving. You're wondering what in the world um, you know. I mean, you've seen Jesus heal and he just didn't show up. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, catch that, Mary stayed in the house. Jesus is coming, she stays in the house. What's going on? I think she's wrestling. I think she's so heartbroken. She doesn't even know if she wants to see him or not. Because she's so confused. God, why would you allow this? Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would have not died. And there's that, that's a double-edged sword because I think what she's also saying is, why weren't you here? Why weren't you here? Because he wouldn't have died if you had come. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Now, here's what I want you to catch in that. Jesus is telling her what he's about to do and she doesn't even catch it. What if, what if that struggle you're going through right now, God wants to do something that you haven't even thought of. You haven't even thought as a possibility 
That's what I find is the way that God works over and over. Usually, if I can think of it, it doesn't happen. (laughs) But what God does through the things in my life, oftentimes are things I haven't even thought of. So here, God knew what he was doing all along. Notice that Bethany isn't far from Jerusalem. What Jesus is about to do is going to travel, and it's going to have a big impact. As a matter of fact, the impact is going to be so big that Scripture declares that later, the Pharisees not only wanted to kill Jesus, they want to kill Lazarus also. Because it was because of Lazarus, the Scripture says, that many believed. God was setting something up. But it was so big that Martha couldn't even see it. And I know it's easy to just read these stories and not think of yourself, but don't do that. Think about your life right now. You're thinking it's mediocre. You're thinking it doesn't matter. It's just kind of, you know, all these random events and most of them are negative. God wants to set something up. But here's the deal. Part of it requires your cooperation. It requires you trusting him with what he wants to do with your life. Jesus, in verse 25, told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? This is where he's asking for her participation. Martha... I'm about to do something big. Do you believe? Because I need your belief in order to do in you what I want to do in you. And again, think about how hard this would be. Because think about all that she's going through and all that she's thinking. She's thinking that Jesus abandoned her. That he could have saved her brother and he wasn't there. Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of the God, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. He wants to talk to both Mary and Martha before he raises Lazarus. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing that Martha was saying. She's feeling it too. Why weren't you here? When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Sometimes God allows things that he hates. Notice the anger that welled up into him. Notice that he's weeping. He's feeling it. He does not like this. But he allowed it. Why? Because it's going to accomplish something that he loves. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, 
This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Now, I want you to hear this. There's no way that this is the first time they said that. That was being said before Jesus ever arrived. So, not only are you thinking these negative thoughts, other friends are pointing it out. Oh yeah, this Jesus that you say is so great. I mean, don't you love that? You've been following the Lord, okay? And you've been telling other people, trust in the Lord, He'll move in your life, and now you're up against something He's not moving, and the people that don't follow Him are saying, oh yeah, yeah let's, let's hear your talk now. Why are you going through this? And you're having a hard time answering because you don't know. You don't get it. You've asked God to move, and He's not moving. And so you're in the spot, and your faith feels like it's about to crumble. But God is setting something up. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, Martha's still not getting it. She's still not getting it. The dead man's sister protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. God's getting ready to move. He's trying to lead you to the place that He's moving. You're like, Lord, that's crazy. Why would I even go with you there? You're still over here mourning and doubting, wondering why He didn't move. He's getting ready to move and you won't move with Him. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? If you believe, you will see God's glory in whatever it is you're going through. And I don't know how, because his ways are beyond my ways. But if you believe, you'll see his glory. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet in graves clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. What appeared to be an abandonment by the Lord was something that not only moved that entire area, but we are here today talking about it still. What if God wants to do something in your life that is going to impact people around you, but it means you trusting in Him even when they're mocking you saying, how can you trust Him? Look at your life. But if you do, what if God wants to do something? Something that he's looking at you right now and it's breaking his heart that you're going through it. He doesn't even like watching it. But he knows. He knows that it's going to bring something good about. But here's what it takes. It takes you stopping, looking at your neighbors that aren't walking with the Lord, that seemingly really don't have the problems that you're going through and you're saying, Lord, I'm actually trying to follow you. What's the deal here? It takes you trusting Him and saying, Lord, okay, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I know that Your Word says, Romans 8, 28, God works all things out for the good of those who love Him, and I love you, 
And I don't know what the plan is here, but I know, I know you're going to work it out. And it's going to bring you glory. And it's going to do things in my heart as well. And I know that's easy to say. It's hard to walk out. But this is what it takes. It takes seeing God do it in other lives and saying, okay, I'm going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to trust him. Let God do what he wants to do through your life. Don't just hang on. Don't just ride the wave. Look to him. Keep your eyes on him. And keep moving towards him. Father, thank you that you do use our lives. Thank you, Lord, um, that you do love us. And Lord, just because we go through hard times, it doesn't remove that love. Just as you loved Jesus and you allowed him to go through something terrible, you did it because you loved us as well. And so, Lord, we recognize that you love us, but you don't just love us. You love the people around us, the people who are currently rejecting you, and you want to use our life as an example for them. And so, Lord... Holy Spirit, help us to trust you, help us to have faith, and help us to keep walking towards you. So that when it's all said and done, Lord, and we're standing before you, you can show us the people that, not that we saved, but the people that you saved, partially through the things that you did in our life. May it be so, in Jesus' name, amen. If you would